Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. Guys, I'm really excited to bring you today's guest. She is a certified life coach, and get this, she specializes in working with neurodivergent families. So this one's gonna be super interesting. I actually met her on season 11 of The Blocks when we were filming that, so please welcome to the show, Teresa Minnick, welcome. Thank you, thanks for having me. I'm so happy you're here. You look radiant today, by the way. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So the question on everybody's minds, what is neurodivergent? What do you actually do? Because that's a really long word and it took me a long time to spell it. (laughs) Uh, Neurodiversity or neurodivergent is what's happening in the mind. So it's referring to autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, Tourette's, OCD. So, um, neurodiversity is what's happening in the mind and what's happening in the body and society. So one in five people are neurodivergent. uh, And I specialize in neurodiversity and the fact that I come from a neurodivergent family and we have all flavors in my family. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was kind of to, because of life, I learned all about neurodiversity Um, I grew up neurodivergent, not knowing that even that word. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as I've developed in my coaching, I noticed this pattern that all of my clients were neurodivergent. And I just seemed to have this gift that really helped them. And so my niche, quote unquote, kind of came naturally. Hmm. Do you you think neurodivergency and... um entrepreneurship kind of run hand in hand? Absolutely. (laughs) So neurodivergent individuals literally have gifts that neurotypicals don't. So it's 300% more likely that someone with dyslexia or ADHD is going to be an entrepreneur and be successful given the right support than it would be a neurotypical So um, I actually wrote a business course for neurodivergent entrepreneurs and business owners simply because most of the entrepreneurs and business owners that you are going to meet are going to be neurodivergent. And and you see, like for the for the last you know twenty years, I've just thought everybody that goes down this path and becomes an entrepreneur is just a little bit crazy. So that does kind of uh, that that does kind of fit very well there. How how do you tell like? how do you tell as an entrepreneur? Like, does, does, is this something that stands out? I, I mean, how, how would I suppose if I was neurodivergent, how would I figure that out? Uh, some people know because they were diagnosed as a kid or mm-hmm. they suspect that they are. Other people genuinely have no idea. But what they do notice is they are really, really good at certain things. Like they think outside of the box mm-hmm. and they're able to problem solve or they're able to um, see patterns and things uh, better than most people, or say for instance, they think very quickly on their feet, 
that's all signs of neurodiversity without knowing it. But then there's also the challenges that come with it. For instance, having extra long emails that they never get to, or they have trouble uh, balancing home and life, the different, you know, making sure everything's organized between both of them, um, organizing appointments, organizing their calendar. These are all mm -hmm. things that are more challenging for them. So when you are a business owner or uh, an entrepreneur and you are neurodivergent and you don't know it, there's usually things that really set you apart. And when you are a business owner or an entrepreneur and those things set you apart, that tends to be in your business somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like you figured out what makes you brilliant and you turned it into a business. Mm -hmm. And then you also know that there are things that you struggle with or that are more challenging for right. you. So you either A, hire people to support you mm -hmm. or B, you kind of white knuckle it through. <laughs> it's always B. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why people hire me. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So so when, when you start working with uh, an entrepreneur, like what are some of the first things you look at um, as, as regards to, I, I don't know if this is the right word to use, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like what are, what are the things you look at regards to their deficiencies and what are some of the common you know, flaws you see in entrepreneurs that are neurodivergent? Yeah, so the first thing that I start working with is and hands down, everybody comes to me for emotional regulation, which is actually why I wrote an ebook on emotional regulation and I give it for free. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the first thing. Then they start going down the list of all of the other things that they're struggling with. And really what it boils down to is how can I help this person conserve time and energy? And so I help them set up systems in place like regulating emotions, setting up systems to help them, executive functioning, um, asking for help and delegating when they need it, communication styles, and, and how people tend to get very stressed out about the things that they're challenged with. And then the thing that's very interesting and important is deconstructing the story that they have about themselves due to their challenges because whether people know it or not they have these challenges but then there's all of this subconscious story that they have that's taking up energy that takes up time so rather than spending say a half an hour on answering emails it's actually spending an hour, an hour and a half on emails because they're getting upset over the emails or they're getting upset on responding to the emails or someone sent them an email and they have this big story about the email, of, you know, so it took longer for them to respond to the email or they need to go calm down before they get back to work or they get confused or they get stuck and they go eat a snack or go have lunch instead of getting the work done. So really what I do is I come in and I help people deconstruct all these stories, reduce the amount of stress, really help them with emotional regulation, set up systems in place. So it all conserves time and energy. Very commonly people come to me and they say, how in the world do you get so much done? How do you produce so much. And mm -hmm. my answer is very simple. 
I am a widow with four kids. I do not have time to mess around. So I take care of myself in every possible way so that I could show up for my, my business and my family and I teach my clients to do the same thing. Wow, that's a lot to unpack. However, even though I don't know what neurodivergency means, or I didn't at the beginning of this interview, now I'm, now I'm catching along that we think along very, very similar lines when it comes to mindset and programming. So now I'm kind of picking up what you're putting down. Let's, let's jump on emotional regulation for a little bit, because I know that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, um, is anger the right word? <laughs> When they're overwhelmed, when something doesn't go their way, and they can carry that anger, it could be a it could be a, a family issue. It could be something outside the business that's that's triggering them. But once you're in a negative emotional state, everything you touch, you transfer that negativity to. And so, tell me about emotional regulation and how you help people to to calm that anger or let it let it just pass through them on the other side. How how do you set people up for that so they can win? Absolutely. So first of all, people in general are not taught how to process through a feeling. No, <laughs> it's no, like you not have at all. all of these feelings and rather than allowing them to be and processing mm -hmm. through them, they're trying to push them away. They're trying to deal with them later. Um, they're trying to ignore them or they just simply don't know what the feeling is. Th that is right? what society teaches us, though. That's that's how the majority of us were raised, especially like working class men. And so mm -hmm. when you get into like service industry stuff, when you get into to, um, the the blue collar trades and the business owners there, a lot of them, they tend to do emotional regulation with alcohol and, and with drugs. You know, can you can you speak on that? Absolutely. It is astounding to me how many of my clients come to me to advance their business and I've got testimony after testimony that they advance their business and they also quit drinking mm -hmm. or they reduce their drinking or yeah. they stopped emotionally eating or they stopped smoking pot as much or 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 you yeah. name it because mm -hmm. honestly all of that is escapism oh, it's yeah. like I'm yeah. having this feeling I don't know what to do with it so instead, I'm going to escape. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I can I can completely relate. You know, I've obviously you know been there myself uh, with alcohol and uh, and using it to like as a crutch. But the one thing that surprised me is when I started working with business owners, it was it was more the owner that you had to fix than the business. And you know, <laughs> I, I had I had one client, bless him, you know completely stressed out, blue collar, lose it, lose it. Because by the time they call me, they're, they're Hail Mary in any way. And, you know, he, he come to a, a 10 o'clock breakfast meeting with, with a whiskey and Coke, holding it like a, like a badge of honor. And, yeah. um, you know, I, he did, uh, while, while he was with me, he did get to about 45 days sober. So I was, I was quite proud of him for that. So, yeah, but, uh, uh, <laughs> he, nice. uh yeah, he, he ended up, he, he ended up uh, like checking out and, and actually going to rehab proper. And um, I think he's got a couple of years behind him now. So I'm pretty proud of that. He's, he's done. Oh well. my gosh. That's mm -hmm. amazing. Um, but anyway, how, how in the world do you help like blue collar guys, especially like cope with that level of stuff? Uh, again, it's putting up, first of all, teaching people, right? Number one, people aren't taught how to process through a feeling. Number mm -hmm. two, people are not taught the, how their feelings are coming about. They just feel like life is just happening mm -hmm. and they're just reacting to life. So really breaking it down. I have a multi-step process that I work with people 
uh, that it takes weeks or months to do. Um, in my program, it's broken up in 10 weeks, but people could take as long as they want for it. But the point is, is starting with dealing with their feelings, then understanding where their feelings are coming from, then understanding where the pattern of those feelings are and how they are during the day and the weeks, right? What people will notice is that, for instance, if they're frustrated most of the day or they're overwhelmed most of the day, as they go through and document their feelings, they'll notice a pattern of when they are. So we can set up systems to put in place to help them during those times. Then we start to work with people of, I'm feeling this, what do I want to feel instead? And helping them learn how to help themselves, right? Um, and, and help them overcome their own obstacles and really get past themselves. So you're kind of, you're kind of engineering their thoughts then you're helping them with that. Cause I, I know it's not our thoughts that control our feelings. Is, is that right? Yeah. So I, I'm laughing because I have had so many clients that come to me and they're like, I am so aware of my thoughts now. And, um, I'm just wondering when does this get better? <laughs> because I tell every single client, I'm like, mm -hmm. you are going to work with me. This is going to be work. You need to understand right, right, right. that this isn't going to be rainbows and pixies and daisies. Like this is going to be work. Mm -hmm. And so there is this time where you go on this high of you're starting to understand things and then you start to go, oh, dang, like this, this is, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling on a day-to-day -day basis. No wonder I'm struggling so much. No wonder my company is having a hard time. No wonder I'm having a hard time with my spouse. No wonder I can't connect with my kids. This is what I'm thinking. And it's kind of that aha moment of holy cow and then let's go in there and start being intentional. Mm -hmm. Let's be intentional about what we're thinking. Let's be intentional about how we're feeling. Let's be intentional about what we're doing what? and how we're acting. Now, you've got me all curious now. What, what are some of the things that people are thinking? What are some of the common things they're thinking that, that is causing them to have this, this much like imbalance and, and pressure in their lives? What, what are some of those thoughts? And, and more importantly, how do you transition someone to to control that or or get rid of those thoughts yeah it's so fascinating because people feel like they're so alone and isolated mm -hmm. in their thoughts but i will hear it's we actually heard it on the blocks right and wes said it himself he said imposter syndrome oh people yeah. think alone they feel alone they feel like they're an imposter they'll hear those mean little thoughts in their head of who do you think you are or what do you, what are you doing anyways? Or nobody's going to care about this or, you know, it's all of those mean girl or mean boy, you know, thoughts that are yeah. in your head, um, that people think that they're so alone in it. And, and really it's, everybody has them. <laughs> well, right? yeah, yeah. Like, but when we're in a big room, in the blocks and there's 80 of us and we're, we're all riding the same train we can spot the patterns and similarities but if, if you think that less than or sorry fewer than one in ten people are actually entrepreneurs then if you know 50 people there's probably only four or five of them that have the same like issues as you so it does even though you're not alone it does feel like you're alone 
because mm-hmm. like there's there's nobody in your immediate vicinity that's an entrepreneur and that understands what you're going through. So I think that that uh, speaks to the importance of business networks like the blocks um, so, to where you can get around people of the, the, the similar mindset. But, you know, I've, I've got to ask you this because like I suffered greatly from imposter syndrome. And over the years, like I, I have a special gauge. I call it a give a fuckometer, and um, you know it's slowly dwindled down to where there's zero to give anymore. So I just do whatever I do. But I know not everybody has that. A lot of the listeners are going to have imposter syndrome, and they're going to absolutely relate to what it is you're saying. So, what are some of the things that that you teach your clients to to help them? overcome that imposter syndrome and and walk into a room knowing that they belong there so i'm gonna go straight to what do they want to feel and i also work with a neurodivergent community so there's also some social things um that people think about i have to say that before so in the neurodivergent community there are sensory issues so sometimes addressing those before somebody does like walks into a room say mm-hmm. at the blocks um, sometimes people have a hard time with social cues, so they get kind of tripped up or stuck on that. So those are some things that we do to work on, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go straight to the answer of your question. What do you want to feel when you're walking into a room, right? So if you're walking into a room, do you want to feel insecure or do you want to feel confident? If you want to feel confident, what thoughts do you need to be thinking to feel confident? Right. Because if you're walking to a room and you're thinking nobody's going to like me, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I look good in this outfit. I'm so fat. (laughs) Um, That guy's looking at me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, they must be super successful. I don't know if I should talk to them. Uh, And comparing, you know, getting in the comparing game that happens all the time. You know what I mean? So that is going to bring up tons of insecure thoughts or maybe shame or maybe embarrassment, right? And that's not going to attract what you want to attract. But if you walk into a room and you're thinking, I have something valuable that can help all of these people. I know my worth. I know what a good, strong business mind I have. I can attract abundance. I, you know, these are more thoughts that you're going to walk into a room and people say to you, wow, what do you do? Right, right. right. There's something about you. I don't know what it is about you, but you glow. Mm -hmm. People say that to me all the time. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm a glow worm. Got one in my spine. (laughs) No, but it, it really is. It's just my thoughts. And I have spent years and hours and so much time with sitting with my thoughts and mm-hmm. being okay with all of the crap my mind spills out and then sifting through that and then being intentional and choosing again. Yeah. I literally write in my journal every single day. I mm-hmm. care. I keep my purse. Like I'll have this little cute purse. <laughs> I'll be walking into a meeting and people will ask me for my card and I pull up my journal to get to my card. Right. <laughs> Simply because I want to know what my brain is offering so I can be intentional and then can create the feelings that I need that call forth the action to move forward in a positive way. That's definitely a learned skill though. 
You know, I I do feel for the guys walking into those big rooms for the first time. It took me, it took me quite a few goes to uh, to realize that I I did belong in those rooms, and not only did I belong, that that I could actually actively contribute to them. You know, mm-hmm. and um, I think the the only advice I've got for people that are, that are worried is to just just jump on in and uh, mm-hmm. go go and swim. And you know, if you if you sink, you can you can always find the bottom and walk out the pool and try again. You know, right. If you sink, you at least learn, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always say, fail forward. Absolutely. Right? If saying this one thing didn't work, how can you tweak it and try again next time? Right, right, right. I, absolutely, I I completely agree. So, like when you're working with someone, Teresa, how do you help them? Like go into their head and, and deconstruct their story what what does that mean what is somebody's story because i'm i'm completely like enthralled by this but just because of the books i've been reading on mindset and manifestation stuff how do you go about that uh-huh. so that takes a lot of time mm-hmm. um i and like i how do i answer that very complicated question <laughs> in, in the neurodiverse community we all have stories uh, about who we are, how we act, uh, what we're capable of, uh, simply because as we grew up, we knew that there was something different about us. We were the weird kid. We were awkward. Um, People would think we were crazy. We'd have more energy than other people. We'd have a harder time concentrating. So as we grow, we have this story that just kind of builds and builds and builds in our mind about who we are. And a lot of time it's not serving us. And so, for instance, in my program, I go through something that's called the bots. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, I made it up, but it's beliefs, opinions, thoughts, and stories. And so when I'm working with my clients, what happens is they'll get on the screen and they'll start talking and talking and talking. And as I'm listening to them, I figure out what their belief systems are about themselves, Mm -hmm. what their opinions are. So that's judgments that they have for themselves and judgments maybe that they're having about other people. The thoughts, like for instance, um, I have imposter syndrome brings up, you know, a, a feeling, right? So thoughts and then the stories and the stories you'll notice people are going on and on and on about this time that this happened and then this person said this thing and then they must have thought this and that and the other and because they thought this and that and the other then Mm -hmm. then I was thinking this and that the other about me you know so um really it comes with talking to people and teaching my work uh, that they start to learn their own bots and in coaching, I will help them see their own bots. And then once they become aware of their bots, mm-hmm. um, then they can start to have their, that own shift. They feel empowered to see it for themselves and then start to shift the, it within themselves. Right, right. So just to be out there, I teach the tools. It's the client that does the work. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so once you've got them kind of lined out and kind of back in track here, what do you do with them as far as like planning for the future and mindset and building them up? Because you know, I'm, a, I'm a very big believer in, in manifestation and, and I am statements and all that stuff. So can you, can you speak on that for a little bit? How do, how do you help entrepreneurs there? 
Uh, yeah. So kind of all of what we've talked about at le leads up to that. Mm -hmm. um, the, there's another process that I have that I do uh, with people. We do a whole system that's um, coming up with their priorities, coming up with their value system, and then coming up with their goals, mm -hmm. and then really taking each day and checking in with their priorities, their values, and their goals. And we break it up with months and the year or years, depending on how long they're working with me, um, to be able to break it up in tangible pieces um, and, and then break it into smaller bite-sized pieces. Mm -hmm. And then every day that they go by, they're checking in with their value system and their priority system, and it helps them with decision fatigue. So right. it really helps create more, right? So I'm going to give you an example. If please, you, please. Yeah, go, go for it. <laughs> yeah. So if you have, say, um, your schedule is full mm -hmm. for a day mm -hmm. and you've got your kids' soccer after mm -hmm. school, right? right. Um, and you're presented with another meeting, but it's during your kids' soccer. But on your schedule or excuse me, on your value and morals, uh, value and priorities, one of your priorities is family. Mm -hmm. So you check with your priority, you already have your decision made. You go to your kids' soccer. You tell the person that wants the meeting, I'm sorry, I, I don't have time at that time. Here is my schedule. I can fit you here, here, and here. What most people do is they fear, this is scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. They fear that if they don't take that meeting, they're going to miss out. But really what happens is the person wanting the meeting is like, oh, that's a busy person. Mm -hmm. They have, you know, boundaries. They have mm -hmm. values and morals. It's important to them to have a balance between life and work. I actually want to be able to fit into their schedule, wow. right? So it kind of, it gives you a map for yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, I and just... Sorry. I I just you know I'd forgotten that that world existed, um, and I I'm very blessed to have found the the leaders and teachers and mentors that I found you know over the last seven years. Um, but when I started time blocking and like actually blocking time out to be a dad, um, like yeah, it 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 didn't affect my business one bit. Like I mean, not one bit. I, you know, I, I I move stuff around. I still take the same amount of appointments. I still do uh, probably a little bit more work, but I get more time with my kids because I said, nope, that's important. And from three o'clock to five thirty every day, that's it. That's what we're doing, and it works. And then you know, I work I work in the evenings, and I I put my hard stop at three o'clock in the afternoons. And it's I've just been doing it for so long. I can't imagine being in a situation as an entrepreneur, you know, yeah, maybe you've got a million dollar deal going on and you skip a skip one soccer game, sure, yeah. But constantly moving your schedule to to accommodate people that, that want pieces of your time, I can't stress enough how time's the only real resource you've got. You must protect it, otherwise people will just take it from you. Wow. I, yeah. And, and, and it's just, it, it, you just reminded me like because again it's been six or seven years since i've operated like that and so yeah guys um if you're paying attention be sure and uh, heed Teresa's words and, and do some time blocking and protect that time um there's really no negative to come from telling people to just chill for a minute and wait <laughs>
Yeah. I think the other part to answer your other part of your question yeah, yeah. is manifestation. Manifestation is being intentional, mm -hmm. right? If you're going to manifest something, it's going to start with your thoughts. Absolutely. Um, so really being very aware of what you want and I'm, it could be a yacht or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, say you're, you're wanting to manifest this yacht. So you think about the yacht every day, you go to sleep thinking about the yacht, you wake up thinking about the yacht and that is good, but also being very intentional every single day about thinking about how to get to the yacht mm -hmm. and breaking down all of those steps to get to the yacht That's right it. yeah those those thoughts drive those actions and mm -hmm. um like people think when when i talk about manifesting they think about just making things appear and it's not that as much as making the opportunity to do the work appear mm -hmm. so you can get the things it's, it's letting you spot opportunities to move towards the goals you want they, there's still a lot of work in manifestation um, but without it, I don't know where I'd be right now. I mean, I base my whole life on this is what I want and this is what I'm going to go get. Yeah, exactly. And I, 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 I'm kind of woo woo and spiritual. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me personally, I will light a sage candle. Um, I'll get out my journal. I'll be very intentional about, and I'll think very, very deeply about what do I want to bring mm -hmm. into my life? I will even think about the type of friends that I want and oh, I'll yeah. list qualities mm -hmm. of, of the people that I want in my life. And so it doesn't have to do with just business. It can, no, not at all. you know, the people that you want to surround yourself with and it works in so many different ways, but really being quiet and being okay mm -hmm. with what you're thinking, allowing that space and then choosing very intentionally what you want to manifest is super important and i always say there's nothing wrong with lighting a sage candle while you be intentional <laughs> i'll uh i'll be i'll be sure and let nina know i'm pretty sure she's got some of them somewhere kicking around here you girls man you know it turns out that the hippies were right so i, I should just let it ride um but i did want to speak for just a second on, on what you brought up about a friend group for example like um it's the same with dating um it's the same with looking for for, for your ideal client like mm -hmm. if, if you're as a business owner, um, if, if you sit there and write down every last little thing about your ideal client, then you can figure out where they are. Then you can figure out what they need and how you can serve them. And then you can figure out how to turn them into customers. And you can turn away every client that's not your ideal client. Just mm -hmm. as instead of swiping on a pretty girl's picture, if you know exactly what you want, you turn away every opportunity that isn't that which then leads to you saving time, saving energy, and ultimately, you know when something's a good fit. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't explain enough to you guys just how important what Teresa's talking about is and how it builds the things and the people that surround you that make up your day. Mm -hmm. That's right. so correct. And also, as you find your way to success, I mentioned earlier that sometimes people feel alone and isolated mm -hmm. as you grow and transcend as a person, because human beings were made to transcend that you can start to outgrow some of the people that you have in your life or that, had yeah. in your life. There, there can be this time period where you feel lonely 
And in that loneliness, you find this deep inner peace and quiet Mm -hmm. that allows you to be able to be more aware of your thoughts and be more intentional. So then as you move forward, you really genuinely do bring in what you want. Uh, absolutely i mean that, that, that's the only that's the only way it can be because that's all you're focused on um i just i i wish i could convey the simplicity of this and it's just just a matter of putting it out there and doing the work you know like or on the show but if i did it would be to tell you about the systems and processes i use for running businesses online which you can find in our facebook group over at follow sam Live. All right, back to the interview. You and I met when we were uh, filming a little television show about entrepreneurship. Um, tell me about that. How did you How did you hear about it, and and what was the experience like for you? Oh, um, it was a whirlwind and very very quick for me. <laughs> um. I actually did not go representing my company. I got a phone call from a person that I knew and had been working with. um, And we were in discussions and uh, I got the call and she said, Hey, in, I think it was like a week or I think it was, yeah. She said, Hey, in a week, I'm going to go be on this show. Do you want to go? And my first thought was, and okay, this is this this is where your thoughts come in, right? <laughs> my first thought was, oh dang, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that. Do you see the scarcity mindset right there? Mm. And the reason why is again, I'm a widow with four kids. Right. I don't have any family in this area to just step up and come stay with my kids for a week. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, no, if this was meant to happen, it will happen naturally. So I made a few phone calls and I was pleasantly surprised. One of my friends stepped up and said, yeah, I'll come come stay with your kids. So the next thing I know, I'm buying a ticket and I'm heading to the airport um, and meeting Ozzy, not, not Monty, not Ozzy. Um, at the airport. Oh my gosh, that guy was so awesome. Do you remember him? I don't think I met him. No, because I drove. <laughs> so oh, I, no, Monty was at the show. He was the big, tall, handsome guy that Wes kept talking about. Oh, that dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. Yeah. looked just like me, but but taller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember Monty. Uh, I do now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so met him at the airport, and then I'm the next thing I know, I'm at the hotel, and things just were moving so fast from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it was a whirlwind for me. It, I, it was a very different, I think, experience for me because I knew nothing about the show. No, I, I didn't, didn't either. Know, yeah. Yeah. I did not know how the show went. I knew that it was a game. That's kind of all I knew about mm-hmm. it. I didn't even know fully what the rules were. Uh, when I got there, of course, I listened and I mm-hmm. picked things up really quickly. And it's not my nature to really break rules or be right right right, in any kind of way so i wasn't worried about that you you know that in previous seasons there was some drinking and fornication happening off camera like the the amount of stuff they put on us you don't do this you don't and i'm like wow (laughs) what what do entrepreneurs behave like when they're on the road man uh... 
<laughs> yeah. See, for me, I knew that Wes was on a show and forgive me, I can't remember the show challenge or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. The challenge. It, yeah. Um, so I assumed that maybe that was happening on that show too. And people would have naturally assume that uh, would be no there, I, I i but... talked talk to some folks from previous seasons and um they, they they there was some uh you know you're trying to record a professional television show yeah but, yeah but at the same time you've got 80 different entrepreneurs from all over the country locked in a hotel for a week with a bunch of alcohol you know <laughs> i mean i i i can see why it would uh, it, it would have the potential to go sideways um, and, uh, you know, I could see why they, like, like they had, uh, they had a curfew and no going out of the hotel rooms and like, mm -hmm. uh, I, and I could, I could honestly see why, but, uh, aside from <laughs> that, aside from that, how did you, how did you find the curriculum? Cause I don't often plug, um, anything on here, uh, you know, with the exception of, of products that, that guests have and the guests have created, but you know, the, the curriculum that Betablocks put together was probably one of the strongest um, entrepreneur-based curriculums I've, I've ever come across. How, how did you find that? Yeah, I mean, I thought that it was well put together, well thought out, thought out, uh, brilliant. Um, I liked the way that they taught it. Uh, they taught it for everybody to be able to learn, right? Listen, lecture, mm -hmm. and then put it into place and then, you know, talk about it and put, you know, put it into action. And then play a game with it. So they they really put all of it together. The curriculum that they taught was spot on. A lot of it is things that I do with my clients currently. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, right. Uh, of course, I use less words. Um, <laughs> just that's who I am. They did use a lot of words. <laughs> right. Um, because there were some times where uh, they were teaching and they were and I was like, oh yeah, they're talking about this, and I could summarize it in like one sentence, mm -hmm. and I'm like. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, there's a lot of different people in here and everybody thinks differently. Everybody has different minds. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was spot on. I thought it was brilliant. I loved the fact that it was so multidimensional thinking. Talk about neurodiversity. That's, I am telling yes. you, the had... people that, that, that show together have to be neurodivergent mm -hmm. to have so many multidimensional thinking. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, Go to the show. You have these rules, but then also here are these supplements, and there are also people that are looking to invest in your company yeah. if, it, if it's mm -hmm. you know the right fit. I, and then I, I don't think I'd ever encountered you because you know when when you go to like a chamber of commerce meeting, you've got you, you know you got your bankers and your insurance folks. And that's that's really about it. And you know you go to a, a, a some of these networking groups. They got blue collar groups and all this stuff. And I'd never ever been in a room with so many different types of business. I had no idea, like who in the world sells banana pudding on a street corner and makes <laughs> the best banana pudding you've ever tasted? Like where, where, where does that come from? And yet, you know, then you've got, you've got guys in there that founded tech startups in the, you know, in the two to $3 million range and they're scaling them mm. at the same time, you know, the, 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 the girl selling crepes. Like I, mm. I had no idea that there was such a wide, diverse cross-section of business owners. For me, it was an absolute pleasure being there. Yeah. And so fun because all of us had something to talk about. Yes. It was, I don't think that there was one person there that I couldn't just strike up a conversation with and and enjoy talking to them in some way, you know? Shout out to Sausages of Freedom. <laughs> No, we the love those guys. Guy. We... I remember him. <laughs> he, 
Dude, I, I had like, I had the most fun. And, um, you know, when I got back, because, um, you know, I, I'm sitting over here thinking I'm pretty good at business and I, I go through the show and I, you know, I, I did all right. And, but when I got back, I started looking at all the gaps and all the holes. And what I did was, was I went back through and I, I started to plug everything and move things in, in a direction towards their curriculum. So, um, you know, what changes did you make in your business after going on the show? What were some of the things that you implemented that you learned? Oh, um, you know, that's interesting that you say that. Before I left, I was sh shifting my mm -hmm. business and I was uh, scaling it in a different way. You went at the right time then. <laughs> I did. Yeah. yeah it was so interesting. I'm telling you, it's manifestation the universe. It's the is universe. for real. Uh -huh. It really is. Um, so I had started putting a lot of systems in place and foundational things to shift my business into scaling mm -hmm. uh, before I left. But then when I came back, it's so funny because people were talking about they took a week off. They took two weeks off. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm -mm. I literally woke up the next day and I started working and I only took three days off the rest of the summer. I worked all the way through the fall and I didn't have any more days off until winter break. Until yeah, I, Christmas. I did too. I did the exact same thing. And maybe, maybe three or four days after the show, I mean, my mind was racing, but then uh, in December, I, I, I took a month off. I just was, I shut down at the, the second week of December and I come back the second week of January. But like, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't, they, they filled me with so many ideas. So mm -hmm. sorry, apologize for talking over you. <laughs> no, well, go ahead. No, no tell as, me. As, as, well, like I said, I, I tore everything down. And yeah. then I, I built it how I wanted to build it, knowing what the guys on the blocks had said. And then instead of like, you know, instead of consulting with small business owners, I took that leap into into being who I am. And I, I just, I build digital infrastructure now. That's what I do. I build digital infrastructure for private equity groups and, and help make businesses exist. Like I take ideas and make them real and it's like the most fun in the world. And, you know, I've got years of hard work learning it and studying it and all this other stuff. But it, it, it was ultimately, it was going on the blocks that gave me that last little nudge and said, hey, you, you, you can really do this. You can really make an impact in these people's lives. And so, yeah, the, the blocks was, it was, a, it was an awful, awful experience. I hated every minute of it. And yet when I come out the other side, it was absolutely wonderful. I mean, the relationships, the, the, the friendships I made over there um, and the amount of things that, that I positively impacted me as a person and me as my business made it, made it really worthwhile, you know? Yeah. So when I, before I left, my intention was to write and finish my business course. Mm -hmm. And when I came back, as I was processing, because as I'm writing my business course, which took a lot of effort, heart and soul, I'm telling you. I, yeah. There was I, a lot that went into that, right? I feel uh, that, but, yeah. <laughs> but as I was writing it, I also was thinking of what was talked about in the blocks. And one of the first things that kept cycling through my head is what is the client's experience here? What is the, cause I'm writing my information and the things that I teach my clients, but then I'm also still seeing clients. And so every single time I saw clients and I was testing out my work mm -hmm. with the clients, as I'm writing the course, I'm seeing and witnessing the client's experience. And then I'm able to write it into my course and then follow up, I realized in the blocks, wait a minute, 
rather than just having this business course, I also need to have a membership. Um, and I want to be able to hit people at different price points. So I actually came back creating all of that. So I actually created a ton extra work for myself, mm -hmm. but it's also, again, building that stronger foundation and the client experience that I think yeah. is or none now. Yeah, and, and once the courses are built, they can teach over and over and over with no taxation on your time. You've already put that time in and you've put the energy and the effort in. I, mm -hmm. it, it's funny how creating something like that always takes about three times as long as you budget for. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm uh, I'm almost finished with with our first like full on digital course like in in into uh, company infrastructures and stuff and um, it's never good enough. I always keep going back and making it better and re-recording videos and doing more stuff. Yeah. Just I'm so so critical of it. And um, yeah, kudos to you for getting one done and, and getting yeah. Published. And this actually, I, I hearing you say that um, makes reminds me of a a few of the sessions that I've had over the last couple of weeks. And this whole thing with setting up the foundation, setting up yeah. systems in place, right? But then also it's never good enough. And what I, some of the conversations that I've had, and I want to say this because I think that it's important here, mm -hmm. is entrepreneurs, business owners, they always want to see their revenue go up and up and up every year. And they make something mean when they have a year where the revenue isn't skyrocketing. And what I say is when you're really taking a look at the systems that you have in place and the foundation that you have in place and you're tweaking it mm -hmm. and you're making it better, you're being intentional and you're thinking ahead, there might be a year that your revenue isn't going, you know, skyrocket. It right, might right. plateau a little bit because you're making your work that you've already done better you're making the experience better tweaking yes. yes. it in a way where it runs more smoothly and that's okay and you know you can't build a castle in a swamp you've got exactly. to have that foundation because like what, what i've seen oh my god so many times is people don't have those structures in place and there's money coming in and the business is going great and then all of a sudden it collapses in on itself because when you've got too many orders and you can't fulfill them and when you've no customer service properly backing things up people get very very cross very quickly and that bad word can spread and destroy your business so oftentimes it's better to take that little step back work mm -hmm. on the foundation a bit more so you can build a proper tower mm -hmm. that yeah. includes hiring that includes hiring yes, because it's better to wait and hire the type of person that you need and train them correctly than to take whoever's wanting a job and training them partway and then hoping they figure it out. Yeah. I, that's another thing that I work on <laughs> a lot, right? That might take longer. It might take time. It might cost money. Um, but it's better to do it the right way and do it slower than um, just fill the need and that, you know, that, I, put a body me, in the place. That took me so long to learn. It took me yeah. so long to learn. And, you know, trial and error. And I've had wonderful employees. I've had wonderful partners. And I've had, I've had absolute disasters. And, you know, now I'm very much 
very slow to hire. Um, uh, I like to interview and check people out, look at portfolios, make sure they can back up what they're saying. Um, but ultimately, I get better results when I hire the highest quality, the greatest talent that I can find, and then I direct them. It's it's much, much easier than hiring a mediocre hire and trying to train them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, that, that took me a long time to, to figure that lesson out. But, and pay them correctly. Well, yeah, and, you know, you, char- you charge a little bit more. Um, you have to, but at the end of the day, you're solving a, a problem for a client, and most of my clients are willing to pay a premium to have their problems solved quickly and reliably by people they can right. depend on. And so, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, for the long term, it's, it's definitely better. The short term, it can be scary. You know, mm-hmm. when, when the first time you hire somebody at $100 an hour and you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ, I hope this works. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there, there you are. <laughs> that's, yeah. that, that's how it is. And so, um, yeah, the, the more you pay for the results, the better results you can get, the happier the clients they are and the more you can charge the clients. So it's, it's kind of a, uh, it's, it's upside down to what most blue collar folks think of you know they're, they're always yeah. want to be you know i can't afford this what's the cheapest i can get somebody to come do this task for me and um think of yourself as your own client and, and think mm-hmm. about it that way so anyways yeah. um wow this is this has been fun chatting um i've got a few more questions uh, a few more questions for you if you don't mind and then we'll uh, we'll get this this buttoned up because I've, I've had a great time and i feel like we could uh, you and i could probably do a joe rogan length podcast <laughs> and just just um you know, chewing the fat and stuff. Um, but we're trying to give a little bit of um, we're trying to give a little bit of value here to the guys in the uh, in the audience at home. Um, I do want to ask you know I'm a huge proponent of ongoing education and learning as much as I can along the way. And so, what are a couple of books that you've read um, that have had an impact on you that the audience may gain some wisdom from? Oh my word! Okay, so I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to. When I was 25 years old, um, if you guys listen to my podcast, I actually talk about this. Um, Wait, what is is your podcast? Tell me that. Plug it real quick. The Neuro Tribe. The Neuro Tribe. See, if I'd have seen that, I would have said it in the the introduction. So Neuro Tribe podcast. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. So when I was 25 years old, I got a job. I had absolutely no experience whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew that I needed to manage my mind to make it work. And so I read the success principles, Mm -hmm. um, highly, um, seven habits of highly Uh, successful people. So that's old school. Yeah. 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 I think I've got that up here somewhere. Yeah, another one that I really, really like is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Oh, I'm going to write that one down. I've not read that one. Mm-hmm. I really, really like that. And I don't, is your audience mostly male or female? Uh, they're about 65 male, 35 female. Okay, Good so spread. another one that I really like is The D- Divergent Mind. If you Ooh. are interested in learning more about neurodiversity, now, the divergent mind is more geared towards uh, women and women in business with neurodiversity because it's so under it's so underserved. Like there are way more men that know that they're neurodivergent than women. I just say that because it's always been studied in men and not in women, not oh, wow. since the last few years. So that one is really powerful. Oh, gosh, there's so many. I mean, the good to great. That's another one. I have like all my books over here. You should see my bookshelf. It's yeah, mine are right up here, right along. 
um, I've got I've got books on the coffee table. I've got books in the kitchen. I've got books on the end table. That's, yeah, that's all I do. I got a stack next to my bed. <laughs> and then audiobooks. I love audiobooks. Yeah. But yes, um, I think that the book that I think of um, often is is uh, The Big Leap from Gay Hendricks. I feel like I learned a lot of lessons from that book and it because Gay Hendricks is pretty awesome. He's if I could meet him, I would love to shake his hand. Sum, summarize it for me, because well, I've I've not um, I've not heard of that book, and I what I like to do the the reason this is my life hack, right? All of my guests, I ask them what the great books are, and I interview only intelligent, outstanding entrepreneur guests, so I get all their resources in these books, you see, and so I I like to get on Amazon and go out and pick them up and and, and read them slowly uh, with my finger, mouth and the words as I go. Um, but summarize the book for us. Tell us what the big leap is about, because it sounds interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. So uh, again, he's talking about mindset and how mm -hmm. you think about your life, how you think about your capabilities, how do you think about relationships. And one of the things that he talks about is everyone has this glass ceiling and they have absolutely no idea that that glass ceiling is there. And it's so interesting because when I am speaking to my clients, I'll talk about their glass ceiling mm -hmm. often because they don't realize that they're bumping their head on this glass ceiling. But really what it is, is it's them holding themselves back. Right. And as soon as they realize that they're doing that, they can break through the glass ceiling and go to the next level. Mm. So that's one kind of aspect of the thing. The other aspect was um, he taught, he, he was so cute. He talks about him and his wife and how him and his wife never, they never argue right. or fight whatsoever. And this line really hit me very hard. He said, if you think about a fight or an argument, if you win the fight or argument, it means that you are the biggest victim. Do you realize that? So do you actually want to win a fight or an argument? Because you're basically saying, I'm the bigger victim. You're the bigger villain. So I win. And that that has carried me through that's business. so true yeah that's carried me through partners that's carried me through you know uh, negotiations right and that helps me take <clears throat> my um my ego out of myself right, right right and instead of trying to figure out how i can win I figure out how I can better understand and how I can better communicate and how I can work with people and how I can show up the way I want to show up. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was, that was a big, that was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I don't like fighting. No, that's uh that's pretty, uh, that's, it's pretty good like you you're the whoever wins a fight is just the, the the biggest loser yeah yeah i like that well wow all right i say that sorry no you're good <laughs> carry on carry on i say that because i see it in business so often mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right like people will be talking about a conversation that they have with their partner or they will be in negotiations for say shares in a company mm -hmm. right and they'll get so upset and they'll have this, you know, defensiveness or they'll be pleading their case or they'll be wondering why the other person is reacting the, the, the way that they are. And taking all of that out and just thinking about, hang on, 
if I win this, that means that I'm calling bigger victim. Mm-hmm. How can I take my ego out of this and show up for this meeting, this conversation in this whatever, and show up the way I want to show up, right? How can I better understand this other person? How can I better understand where they're coming from? How can I understand why they are doing and saying the things that they are? And then also, where are my boundaries in here? What am I okay with and not okay with? Right, right. It really, if you really think about the the words and you really think about how you want to present yourself, you can be way more intentional. Dude, that's that's some great thinking there. Wow. Matt, I'm sorry we've got to wrap this up, Teresa. It's been it's been a fun time hanging out. Before we go, I got two more questions for you, okay? And uh, these are questions I ask all of my guests. They're nice little uh, soft pitches, easy to smash. Um, so the first one, as we talked about earlier, um, the, the show is really aimed at entrepreneurs that are in the grind, in the struggle, coming up, and might be a few years behind us on the uh, on the experience level. If you could go back a few years and give Teresa from then a little advice, what's the one thing you'd want to let her know? Hmm. Go back a few years and give Teresa advice. Um, <laughs> you said it would be easy to smash. <laughs> like my my brain goes way too fast there. Um. Uh, one thing that I've really thought a lot about is making sure I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that carries me through the hard times. I like that about having your why and getting it nailed down. Like, you know, some days that why is the reason to get out of bed. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I like that. Uh, All right. Last question. We'll keep it short. Where can people who have enjoyed listening to you, where can they find out more about you, follow you on social media and uh, all your good things on the internet? I love it. Thank you. Yeah. So you can find me on any podcast, major podcast uh platform the neuro tribe and you can find me on instagram or facebook i am the neurodiverse life coach uh you can find me on linkedin my name is Teresa minock all right cool 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 Teresa. thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us today and pouring into our audience it's been an absolute pleasure having you on as a guest i hope i get to see you again soon thank you guys that was outstanding. Was that cool or what? We dug deep into neurodivergent stuff and got into uh, manifestation and brain things, stuff that I am uh, a big fan of. If you have enjoyed hanging out with Teresa and me today, please show us some love. Go over to her socials, give her a follow, give her a like, and uh, remember to share this podcast. And uh, if you really love us, leave us a review. All right, that's going to do it for today. You'll be good. Stay safe. And uh, I will see you this week on Friday for Friday Fire. Bye. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show for today. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the conversation that we've had and you want to learn a little bit more about the systems and processes involved in running businesses online, join our Facebook group over at followsam.live. All right, that's it from me for today. You'll be good. Stay safe, and I'll see you next week.